0: Guys, how many of you have ever been roped into going to a baby shower? I've only gone to one and I immediately started looking for the exits. I mean they played this like awkward shower game. They served finger food and quiche. I kept looking for pizza in the taco bar. Well, a couple of my sisters were planning to come down to the shower uh, to celebrate with Megan, and one of my sisters said, hey, I'm bringing dad with me. Well, I immediately called my dad because I thought he was going soft on me. My dad and I get right to the point when we talk. There's not a lot of fluff. We just get right there. And so I called him and I said, hey, dad, what's the deal with you going to a baby shower? He replied, What? I'd never go to one of those. I'm driving down with your sister so you and I can go out and do guy stuff. I said, Now good. So it was so funny. When my dad arrived, he didn't even want to go in the house. But he knew he should at least say hi to Megan, his granddaughter. It was so funny. He cautiously entered the front door. He kind of looked around. He found Megan, gave her a hug, and then he found me. He gave me a head nod, and he said, let's get out of (laughs) here. That's all the encouragement I needed. So we went straight to Steel Plow for some deep-fried cheese curds. And $15 hamburgers. When we were done there, we headed over to Hy-V. Uh, he loves Boji's mustard, and he like cleared off the shelf. <laughs> From there, we went to Menards and kind of stumbled around there for about 45 minutes. How many of you know Menards has a second floor? <laughs> Next time you're there, look, we found it, and we were up there doing laps. We were just burning time. After being at Menards, my dad looked at me and he said, Let's go to Whitey's. (laughs) My treat. I said, Game on. Let's go. But we were gone nearly three hours. We thought it would be safe to go home. (laughs) Unfortunately, our timing was off. And my dad had to go into the house while shower shrapnel was still going on. (laughs) He was offered some quiche. He just sniffed at it. And before long, he was outside by his truck, his arms folded like this, waiting for my sisters to haul him back to the promised land. I thanked him for coming. He thanked me for getting him out of the shower. We gave each other a manly handshake and grunted that we'd see each other again soon. (laughs) Hey dads, we want to say thanks today. Normally, the pattern for preachers, including me, has been to magnify moms on Mother's Day and then to diss dads on Father's Day. And we're not going to do that. One article captures this sentiment. Many men say they're tired of the put-down cards and would like some affirmation for a change. Well, I hope you'll find this sermon affirming for a change. I celebrate the commitment to fathering that I see in a number of young dads, most especially in our four sons-in-law, Matt and Jamie and Brad, and now Lucas as a new dad. I see the same here at Edgewood. There are many devoted dads in this church, who play with their kids and pray for their kids as they live on mission in their family. We see you, dads. we celebrate how you are making young disciples. And we want to give you some affirmation for a change. Now, I recognize that for many of you, I mean, this day is difficult, Maybe because your dad is no longer here, or perhaps because your dad has dropped the ball somehow. The US Census Bureau stated recently that we've become a fatherless nation. About 10 years ago, 33% of children in America went to bed without their biological father in the home. Today, 43% of American kids live in a home without their biological father. And sadly, the United States owns the title of the world's leader in fatherlessness. Now, some of us, like me, have been blessed with a tremendous model of what fatherhood is meant to be. But right here in this room, those engaging online... Others of you are hurting today. Perhaps it's because you've been ignored or neglected or abandoned or even abused. Perhaps you're a mom and the father of your children is emotionally distant or absent altogether. And so for you, Father's Day is anything but happy. Well, I sincerely hope that you will allow our heavenly Father to meet what is lacking in your life. Check out uh, this verse and find comfort in it, Psalm 68, 5. Father of the fatherless and protector of widows is God in his holy habitation. I thought it would be good for us on this Father's Day weekend to turn to Scripture and pray the Lord's Prayer together. Because you'll recall how this begins, our what? Our Father. This past week on Tuesday, I didn't see it live, but during Jeopardy, they asked the question about the Lord's Prayer, and none of the contestants had a clue how to answer it. And so I was thinking, uh, how did that happen? And then I realized that, well, I've not led us in the Lord's Prayer in quite a while. And so perhaps some of us aren't familiar with it. The Lord's Prayer actually would be better titled the Disciples' Prayer, because you'll recall that it was the disciples who said, Lord, teach us how to pray The real Lord's Prayer is found in John chapter 17 when Jesus prayed for unity. Before we pray the prayer, let me say this. For some of you, you have this memorized, and it's easy to just say the prayer. Well, I don't want to say the prayer. I want us to pray the prayer. This comes right from Scripture. And in order to do that, some of you, because you have it memorized, might even want to close your eyes so we just don't go through it rotely. If you'd like to look at the words on the screen, you can do that as well. If you're comfortable and able, would you stand and let's pray this prayer together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. You can be seated. My aim today is to both encourage and exhort dads to be about the task of making disciples in your families. If you are a dad, you are called to live on mission as a missionary to your kids. Here's our main idea. Dads, and we're going to expand that, and granddads are designed to disciple the next generation of disciples. So fellow disciple-making dads, here then are five ways we want to say thanks today. Number one, thanks for being a good example. Let's begin in the book of 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 verse 10, a little Background, Paul's writing a letter to the church at Thessalonica and he's recalling his time there and he remembers the first metaphor he uses. He says, we treated you like a mother treats her children. He's focusing on being gentle and caring. Well, now we'll see in verses 10 through 12, the metaphor changes to that of a father. But he begins by focusing on his example Notice how he points to how he and his ministry partners behaved when they were with the Thessalonians. Verse 10, you are witnesses, and God also, how holy and righteous and blameless was our conduct toward you believers. The word holy means set apart from sin, set apart to serve the Savior, Notice they were also righteous, meaning their character was upright. They were blameless in their conduct, which is literally translated as not able to find fault in. This verse makes me think of Pastor Chris Rogers, our youth pastor. For the past 23 years, Chris has served in the Rock Island Fire Department. Chris will be retiring from this role and he'll be able to devote even more time to our growing student ministry. Listen to part of a tribute that was posted publicly on Facebook by the fire marshal of Rock Island. His name is Greg Marty. Uh, Greg's become a friend of mine. Here's what he wrote, quote, As EMS coordinator, Lieutenant Rogers has drastically changed the service delivery model of the Rock Island Fire Department paramedic ambulance service. By expanding our capabilities through new training, techniques, and equipment, Lieutenant Rogers has successfully increased the survivability of pre-hospital cardiac arrest victims. Check out this sentence. Cardiac arrest victims in Rock Island now enjoy a survival that is five times greater than the national average. Lieutenant Rogers quickly became an invaluable resource to the Unity Point EMS system, and he was tasked with writing the current version of the EMS protocols, which paramedics and EMTs get this all across the Quad Cities, now used for the delivery of care at multiple agencies. One of the most intangible aspects of Lieutenant Rogers' tenure is that he was a friend, a listening ear, and a trusted ally to any member of the department who was having a difficult time. Well, when I saw that on Facebook, I shared that immediately. I contacted Chris. I complimented him. I thanked him for living on mission in our community. And he said thanks. But the most important words that I received were from my son, Gabe, who is also a firefighter, the third generation of Rogers serving as firemen in Rock Island. This is what Gabe, his son, posted in response to what the fire marshal posted. Quote, I am beyond proud of all the hard work and dedication you have put into being an incredible leader, father, man of God, firefighter, and paramedic. You inspired me to chase this career, and I couldn't have had a better role model. That's beautiful. See, in short, Pastor Chris is a disciple making dad to Gabe and to Sarah. Fellow dads and granddads, thank you for being a good model to your kids. Secondly, thanks for making a spiritual investment in your children. Join me now in verses 11 and 12. We see here Paul's relationship with these believers was like a relationship between a dad and his own children. He says, for you know how like a father with his children. Okay, what's that like? Well, here we see in verse 12. We exhorted each one of you and encouraged you and charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. Observe, first of all, the phrase, each one of you. That phrase is emphatic, meaning Paul and his team had a personal relationship and rapport with each of these baby believers. Fellow dads and granddads, thanks for getting as close as you can to each of your kids and your grandkids. See, in order to provide counsel, we must know their personalities. And as you continue to spend time with them, thank you for focusing on these three actions. First of all, exhortation. To exhort means to come alongside and urge, and speak instruction, give insight in order to move someone along in a specific line of conduct. We all need someone to encourage us, don't we? Someone to come alongside, to cheer us on. This word, incidentally, is similar to the word used for the Holy Spirit. This word was used of exhorting troops to get back into the battle. Thanks, dads, for those times you see discouragement in your kids and you've spoken words of life into them or just given them a hug or maybe just sat with them and didn't say anything. One of my friends is Mike Friend. You've heard me mention Mike before. And one reason I mention Mike Often is because he has prayed for me faithfully every week for over 15 years. When we lived in central Illinois, he's an engineer. He would leave his work, he'd drive by our church where I was pastoring, and he went to a different church. But while he was driving by, he would call me. He never wanted me to answer the phone. He called and he left a voicemail, and it was a voicemail prayer. The prayer involved the preaching that weekend. The prayer involved a lot of requests. He did that every year, and he's continued to do it since we've been here the last 10 years. Well, that tells you a little bit about Mike, but here's something else about Mike. He has two kids, and when his kids were teenagers, he told them these words every morning. Listen, and I quote, this is what his teenagers heard every morning. First, you have what it takes to be a difference maker. I love you, and I'm proud to be your dad. Second, God has places and situations already prepared for you today where you will have the chance to be a difference maker, to bring light where it is dark and vibrant life where things are dying pay attention, do not miss the opportunity to light it up and bring life. You are not in those spots by accident. And thirdly, he reminded them of this, what King Solomon wrote in Proverbs 4, 23, above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. Now, that's exhortation. The next word is encouragement. It's sometimes translated as comfort. It means to come alongside with sympathy and concern in order to pour courage, that's what, encourage, pour courage back into them. Kudos to you dads and granddads for encouraging your kids. The next phrase is charge. The word charge means to beg earnestly. It was used of an anguished appeal from a witness. So a witness who saw something, who knows something to be true, is now making this appeal. And often it's done with anguish and passion because the witness knows what is right and so he's challenging them to go to the next level spiritually. I mean, you see it right there, to walk in a manner worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. I was trying to think about what that might look like today in our cultural moment. What would a charge sound like today? It might sound something like this you have been created in the image of God, and you matter to him. You have been created on purpose for his purposes. Never forget, son, daughter, that life begins at conception. Never forget that gender is determined at conception. Never forget, son, daughter, that marriage is a covenant between one man and one woman. Never forget that the Bible is inspired and inerrant and authoritative. Never forget that Jesus Christ is the only way to have your sins forgiven, the only way to go to heaven when you die. And never forget that life is not about you. It's all about God and living for his glory as you live on mission to your neighbors and to the nations all for the glory of God. To charge our children today might sound something like that. Thank you, dads, for doing that. Well, let me point out that these three words, exhorting, encouraging, and charging, they're all in the present tense, meaning it's not like who did that one time had that talk with them uh uh-uh. uh continuous all the time so thanks dads and granddads for repeatedly reinforcing these important truths as your mission in life dads and granddads are designed to disciple the next generation of disciples Number three, thank you for being intentional in your discipleship. Bless you for taking your kids deep in their faith. Let's head over to Ephesians chapter six, verse four. It's interesting here where Paul, writing to the church at Ephesus, has a word (laughs) to dads. He could have addressed this to moms and dads, but for some reason, he's like, I want to talk to dads, granddads. He's like, okay, Paul, you have our attention. Well, here's what he says Fathers, starts with a negative. Do not provoke your children to anger. Here's the positive. But bring them up in the discipline and instruction. Of the Lord, in essence, we're challenged to see the word "father" as a verb, not a noun. And let me repeat that. We're challenged to see the word "fathers" as a verb, not just a noun. You see, it's biologically easy to become a father but biblically challenging to actually father our children. Chris Bruno writes this, I believe the truest use of the word father is as a verb, in action, in intention, a purpose, a catalyst that sets into motion a series of Godward results that change the course of history for individuals and society alike. Fathering is the highest calling of God on men. Now, let me speak to those of you who don't have children. Because he continues, whether or not they have children, all men are designed and called to father. Father. To father is not to fill a man's genealogical spot, but for him to engage his world with masculine intentionality that speaks life, direction, faith, vision, and delight for generations to come. Father is a verb. The Greek word translated provoke or exasperate means to, well, it means to rouse, to anger, or enrage. The present tense of this verb indicates we're to stop doing something which is common and continuous. So as dads and granddads, we're to do whatever we can to not break the spirit of our children and grandchildren. Paul says it a little differently and equally as strong in Colossians 3.21. Fathers, do not provoke your children, comma, lest they become discouraged and just give up. See, when we exasperate our kids, they can become bitter, bummed out, exhausted by our relentless expectations. Years ago, a father in Georgia saw that his SUV was being carjacked and his son was inside, I can't imagine that. The dad jumped on the vehicle and held tightly to the vehicle as it sped away. Well, later on, the son was reflecting on this. This is what the son said about his dad. Quote, it's cool and brave for my dad to jump on a car and get his arm broken for me. (laughs) To which the dad responded, I was beating on the window just holding on, the thought never crossed my mind to just let him go. Dads and granddads, thank you for not letting your children and your grandchildren go. These verses here give four ways to hold on, or this verse, number one, bring them would you note the word but shows a contrast between what we should not do and what we are to do. Bring them up. We're to bring our children up, listen, because by nature, they're going down. And so we must bring them up. Dads, you are taking an active role in shaping the character of your children. Proverbs 29, 15 says, a child left to himself will bring shame to his mother. Let me say it like this. We're really not just raising kids. Dads, we're not babysitting when mom's not there. No, we're not doing that. We're bringing them up to be well-discipled adults. Notice next the word discipline. It's also translated as training. It carries with it the idea of maximizing teachable moments. It literally means to place before the mind. Now, it's important to understand there's a difference between discipline and punishment. Punishment uh, refers to inflicting a penalty and focuses on the past. The purpose of discipline is to promote growth in the gospel by focusing on the future. Or, say it like this, punishment is retributive. Discipline is redemptive. Dad's Thanks for training your kids by disciplining them. Thank you for having the courage to do this. Notice the next word, instruct. The word instruction refers to any word of encouragement or reproof, which leads to correct behavior. Dads are to counsel their kids. This is very similar to this phrase, to catechize, to teach to train by the way if you're looking for a resource there's a free app it's called the new city catechism designed to teach doctrine and biblical truth to our children in a way they can understand it new city catechism and then finally evangelize all this is to be in the lord so to say that jesus is lord means he's the rightful king of the universe He's the ruler over the entire world. He's the commander of the armies of heaven. He is triumphant over sin and death and pain and Satan and hell, and he will one day establish his kingdom in righteousness. We are to bring up our kids to know that the path of sin is a dead-end street. And the only way to be saved and satisfied is through the gospel of Jesus Christ and living for the glory of God. The Puritans, well, they take a lot of heat. Oh, but they were right when they referred to the home as a little church. They were so serious about it that if a father neglected the spiritual training of his family, he could be barred from taking communion. Now, such an idea today seems strange to us, which perhaps says more about our own laxness than it does about the strictness of the Puritans. You see, disciple-making dads provide a nurturing atmosphere in the home where children can grow up to love Christ and live on mission to their neighbors and the nations. Hey, fellow fathers, props to you for not being passive about the faith formation of your children. Dads, way to go for recognizing that you are the point man in your home. You are the coach of your team. One pastor captured the role of a disciple making dad well, quote, your residence is a launching pad for missiles of missionary zeal aimed at the unreached peoples of the world. Pastor Kyle did a great job preaching about that last weekend. Another pastor writes this, it has been said that as goes the family, so goes the world. It can also be said that as goes the father, so goes the family. Now, our goal is not merely to get our kids to outwardly conform to a list of rules. No, our mandate is to develop discipled children who seek to glorify God in their lives. Thanks, dads, for not just teaching your kids to do good things, but to serve God and live for his glory by gathering, by growing, by giving and going with the gospel. Dads, if you're here today with your kids, you are doing something radically countercultural today by making sure you and your family are in church. Studies find that family men who attend church on a regular basis are the most loving husbands And the most engaged fathers, dads, thank you for being mighty men of valor, for being the spiritual leader in your home. Thank you for teaching your kids that sports are not more important than gathering with God's people. Lead on, mighty men of God. Your kids are waiting for you to fight for them and to never let go Dads and granddads, thanks for knowing that if you don't disciple your kids, Satan will. Dads and granddads are designed to disciple the next generation of disciples. Number four, thanks for having a heart for your kids. Oh, turn to the last book of the Old Testament. It's easy to find. Find the Gospel of Matthew, hang a left. Last book, last chapter, last verse reads like this, referring to John the Baptist, verse 6, and he will turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the land with a decree of utter destruction. This is fascinating. This is God's last revealed word for 400 years, four centuries of silence until the gospels come on the scene. God's last word in the Old Testament is for my heart as a dad to be turned toward my children and for the hearts of my children to be turned toward me. Dads, this is a specific challenge to us because the heart of the matter is always a matter of the heart. And so dads, maybe, maybe you would go, man, I'm, I'm not really into this parenting thing. Maybe your heart's not into it. Maybe your kids, well, they don't want much to do with you. This would be a great verse to pray every day. God, turn my heart to my kids. And would you turn their hearts to me? Now, we cannot turn their hearts around, but we are responsible to make sure our hearts are soft toward them. Dads and granddads are designed to disciple the next generation of disciples. Number five, thanks for praying for your children. Dads and granddads, one of the best things we can do for our kids and grandkids is to pray for them. Now, we can't control their beliefs or their behavior. Don't you wish we could? We can't. But we can control whether or not we will pray for them. I was struck this week by the prophet Samuel's commitment to pray Uh, Here's what I posted on Facebook, quote, in dealing with the children of Israel, the prophet Samuel knew he couldn't control their behavior, but he could do two things. He could pray and he could teach them the right way, which then leads us to 1 Samuel 12, verse 23. Samuel, as he looks at these rebellious children of Israel, he says, moreover, as for me, far be it from me, notice how personal this is, that I should sin against the Lord by ceasing to pray for you. And I will instruct you in the good and the right way. Perhaps you struggle with prayer like I do sometimes. It's easy to just pray the same things. God bless my kids. God bless my grandkids. About seven years ago, when our grandson uh, Philip, we call him Pip, was born, uh, I sat down and I wrote out some prayers uh, for Philip. And what I did is I just realized that Philip's name is in the New Testament twice. He's a disciple, and he's also a deacon in the book of Acts. So I went to the Gospels and then to the book of Acts, and I put together 31 prayers all rooted to this scripture Passage. So, as an example today, I prayed this prayer for Philip, sustained Philip with a sensitive and teachable spirit, so that he's always open to learn from those who know more than he does. And then I referenced Acts chapter eight uh, right after that prayer uh, for Ran, our granddaughter. I'm her. Prayers all come from the book of Ecclesiastes, Uh, allow Ren to be humble enough to receive advice and wisdom from others. Ecclesiastes 4.13, better was a poor and wise youth than an old and foolish king who no longer knew how to take advice. Uh, For Simeon, developed Simeon into a man of the world, word, not world, Word, who listens to your word, loves your word, and lives your word. And the verse is Luke 2.29, according to your word. I'm not going to go through all of those, and I just share that because it is such a joy for me every day to pray for all seven grandchildren, Scripture prayers over them. And I thought that might be helpful for the rest of us. So what I did for our most recent grandson, this is Mac, um, I Printed out a list. There's 31 prayers on here. All come from the book of 2 Timothy, which is the book we're studying. We'll be back into that next week. And I took out Max's name and just left a blank. These are available out at the Welcome Center. If this would be a helpful tool for you to use, put your grandkid's name in there or your child's name. If you leave today and you're like, oh, I forgot to pick one up, that's available on the Sermon Extras tab on the website and on our app well we wanted to give you some affirmation for a change in my sermon manuscript i did a search before i got up to preach and i used the word thanks 24 different times and i hope you feel thanked today and i hope you've been affirmed for a change Well, that phrase can be taken two ways. Some of you dads and granddads may be encouraged right now because, frankly, you've not received much affirmation. Others of you might feel affirmed to change, and that's good. Romans 2.4 says it's the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. Dads, before you leave this service feeling piled and discouraged by your own failures and your own inconsistency, here are some Attainable action steps. Number one, take the next step. Whatever it is. Just the next step. Don't worry about what that looks like six months from now. Take the step now that God prompts you to take. Malachi 4 2 says, God comes with healing in his wings. If you're filled with bitterness, you gotta get rid of that. Because that'll infect your kids. It's like a poison. If you need to forgive somebody, do it. You need to ask for forgiveness do it And someone has said it like this one way to correct your children is to correct the example you're setting for them i talked to a dad recently who took a half day off work so he could celebrate his son's birthday that's a dad living on mission another edgewood member who's a new believer told me that he left a job he loved and he's now working somewhere else because now he has more time to invest in his family He knew that God was asking him to take that step of obedience even though it didn't make sense career-wise. Another new dad who's also a new believer, I saw him here today, uh, recently reached out and he asked how he could get in touch and have an, have access to the songs that we sing during our weekend services. Well, I put him in touch with someone younger, A.J. <laughs> Langworthy. I don't use Spotify or I don't really understand playlists. Pastor Chad was also able to help him. Here was his response, quote, thank you for all of the help with this. We are just trying to raise Isaiah the way God wants us to. And to do that, we need to change our ways. What he's saying there is we've been listening to music that's not honoring God. We need to change our ways on some things. Uh, Action number two, join a brotherhood of believers. Guys, if you're not in a group with other guys, can I encourage you to join one? We have four groups available each week. Nino Saldivar is leading a Saturday morning group at 7.30. They meet in the Life Center. It's called Better Man. They're studying this definition of manhood. A real man follows God's word, loves and protects God's woman, excels at God's work, and betters God's world. Terry Hartley and Larry Wilson are leading a Sunday morning men's group right under our worship center here on the lower level. They meet at 9 o'clock every Sunday. Uh, They're beginning a new study on the book of Nehemiah. Pastor Kyle, during the school year, leads a study focused on relational discipleship. They'll begin again in the fall. And Del Jensen leads a group on Thursday mornings at 8.30 on the lower level. They're studying the book Multiply by Francis Chan. There's a men's event coming up as well. Number three, look for ways to be a father figure to others. You know, there are many single moms in this church who would love to have a man spend time with their children. Props to those of you who have had foster children in your home. And those of you who've adopted Perhaps God would prompt you to serve with safe families or become a mentor at Youth Hope or be involved in intentional discipleship or join the team of guys leading a Bible study in the Rock Island County Jail. Listen, in our gender-confused culture, we need men who will model biblical masculinity. Another way to disciple the next generation is by serving in our children's ministry. I mean, everybody goes through background checks and security training, but earlier this week, I reached out to Sheila, to Liesl, and to Becca, our leaders in the children's ministry, and I wanted to get a count of the number of men who are serving on Sundays in Awana or on the Vacation Bible School team, which is coming up in about four weeks. And I immediately thought of three guys. I knew three guys who worked, but I knew there were more. So I sent an email. Emails started flying back and forth, and I'm just counting the number of guys. So I came up with three. You know what the actual number is? It's 10 times that. I love that. Way to go, guys. And as our children's ministry grows, we have need for more guys and gals. I was very moved to read how a group of dads deployed themselves recently to make a difference in Shreveport, Louisiana. Here's the backstory: After 23 students at an area high school were arrested and put in jail for fighting, one dad called a meeting for fathers and he simply asked this question, hey, what can we do to get in front of this? At the end of the meeting, a group of fathers decided to just go to the school and patrol and walk around and show a strong male presence on the campus. It's something about seeing a man, this is the leader of this group, writes, it's something about seeing a man, a positive male figure that will make you straighten up and fly right. So this group of fathers calls themselves dads on duty. Here's a picture of them. See the t-shirts. So since the arrival of dads on duty at that campus where there were 23 arrests, there have been zero fights on campus. And the leader reflected on that. He said this, it's just the little things. We're talking to them about life skills, about grooming, about self-respect, we're listening to our young people, and he ends this way. Our job is to parent. Now, maybe you're here engaging online, and you're like, man, I, I'm not doing a good job. I've blown it as a dad. Listen to what Greg Laurie writes. Certainly, fatherhood comes with many pressures. Some of us feel ill-equipped. We don't think we're up to the task. And then he says this, it's better to be an okay but learning father than to be an absent one. It's better to just to be an okay father than to be an absent one. Maybe you're thinking, I failed as a father. Well, you still have time. You can still change your behavior and your attitudes toward your children and try to make up for some of the time you lost. Do what you can while you can still do it. If you have guilt about what kind of dad you've been, Oh, find forgiveness in the gospel of Jesus. It's interesting, early this morning, something took place uh, here in our community. The old 74 bridge was blown up. (laughs) And the old bridge is no longer needed because the new bridge is exponentially better. Well, there's a lot of parables and a lot of lessons we can learn, but one made me think that some of us dads and granddads need to demolish some strongholds. We need to blow up some old patterns, patterns of just being passive and letting mom do everything. We need to blow up thinking that others will handle it and I'm just going to play, I'm just going to do guy stuff. We need to demolish that. See, that old bridge was going nowhere and your old life is headed nowhere. It's time to get on the right road and cross over the bridge constructed by Jesus because he died on the cross and he rose on the third day. John 5, 24, Jesus said, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment. He has crossed over, over the bridge of Jesus from death to life. So thank you, dads and granddads, for being on duty in your discipleship.